Blog Talk Radio. Now, could you tell us where you grew up and uh, what teams you grew up rooting for? 
Well, I grew up out on the eastern Long Island uh, in a town called uh, Brookhaven, very small town. Went to uh, Bellport High School. It's the south shore of Long Island. Uh, I grew up a, a Mets fan. Uh, I grew up a New York Knicks fan, uh, a Minnesota Vikings fan, believe it or not. Did not latch on to either one of the uh, two New York football teams when I was a kid. And, uh, and also was, uh, was an Islanders fan uh, when I was younger and, uh, you know, kind of became more of a fan of, of the league of the NHL as opposed to a particular rooting interest. But the three big teams I grew up rooting for, uh, Mets, Knicks, and, uh, and Vikings, and, uh, you know, got a, a shot to work at the, uh, the radio station I always wanted to be at, at, uh, at WFAN. When did you uh, when did you know that you wanted? You said you always did, but uh, you know when did you decide you wanted to have a career in radio? And, and how did you actually land a position with the fans? You know, it's interesting. I, I always wanted to, but I, I never thought it was really possible. And uh, I when all throughout high school, I was uh, I was a musician. I played the the big upright bass, uh, that giant string instrument, and I was pretty good at it. And uh, people said, you need to go to this college and, and, and kind of further your career with this thing. And I said, okay, sure, that sounds all right. But really, I was a sports fan and more passionate about that than anything else. But I just thought that was unrealistic. So I went up to Ithaca College uh, to be a music education major. And uh, two years in, I decided, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm not having a good time whatsoever. And that coincided with Mike and the Mango getting on. At the time, I could not stream WFAN dot com and uh, the signal did not go up to Ithaca College. So I'd cut my music classes, stay in my dorm room, and watch Mike and the Mad Dog on Yes. And one day I said, you know, I, I want to do that. I want to be on the air. Uh, why am I not doing that? So I transferred to Hydra, got an internship by uh, actually going to a Dave and Buster's in Uniondale, Long Island, to meet Chris Carlin. Oh wow! And, and talked to Chris Carlin for a while, chatted him up. Uh, he told me to uh, mail some people over at the radio station. I did, and I got an internship over there in uh, September of 2005. I uh, worked my way up from intern to part-timer, part-timer to full-timer, uh, board op to producer, producer to part-time host, and then you know got a full-time opportunity in the company uh, out here in Pittsburgh now. Well, that, that's some good stuff, and it's interesting that you, uh, you got the opportunity through David Buster's because everybody loves that place, but I personally hate it. And uh, definitely not a not a fan of David Buster's, but I'm glad that that place worked worked out for you. Now, when you worked uh, at the fan with uh, with Joe and Evan, which is where you know, I first heard of Greg Giannotti, of course, uh, you know I believe Steve Summers is the one who started that whole thanking the board up and thanking the producer and everybody else. Because I know listening to Mike and Chris for so many years, other than when they'd have their producers on, you know maybe a question or two, I never heard them say that. So I know Joe and Evan are big on thanking you know Greg, good golly Giannotti or Sugar Ray Martel. Uh, what was it like for you to work with them? And uh, was was there anybody at WFN who you'd say was a was a mentor to you? Oh man, there's so many people. Uh, you know, and I worked for Steve. You know, I was Steve's full time producer before I got uh, Joe and Evan. And I have to thank Steve for allowing me to be on the air a ton. You know, he uh, he let me do whatever I wanted to do. And I would do Tom Coughlin impersonations for him. I'd do you know Joe Beningo impersonations. I would do you know Yager. <laughs> You know, and there was this there was this great thing that you could get on YouTube of, of uh, Steve Summers and a, and a fake Tom Coughlin, who was who was me, you know, as he was calling Coughlin in his hotel room before that Green Bay NFC Championship game. So, you know, Steve really was the one who gave me the opportunity to get noticed by management over there. And then once I got to uh, to Joe and Evan and I got promoted to that midday shift, 
you know, they, they even expanded that even more, and I was around it during the daytime, and I could hang around the program director's office, and they noticed me, and that's how I got a show. But, every I mean, there, there's people there. I can't say who wasn't a mentor. And everybody who works there, and especially now, you know, being in a smaller market, I look back to all the great people that work there and how many people helped me out. I mean, I, if I started naming guys, you know, I know I'd leave people out. I mean, even, you know, management with Mark Chernoff and Eric Spitz and the guys I work with, Joe and Evan and Steve and, you know, Chris Carlin when he was there and, you know, and John Minko and, and, and Mike and Chris, you know, before Chris left, and, you know, Eddie Erickson who produced that show, Malusis, Sal Licata, hey, all those guys, you know, kind of groomed me. Eddie Scuzzeri, another one. So like, all those guys kind of groomed me and they're, you know, they're a piece of, of me and, and really, you know, everything I do is based on what those guys taught me. Wow, that, that's really cool, Greg. I mean, I, I would think that there's a, a really fine line. You mentioned Steve Summers between certifiable nuts and a genius. And I think he, uh, Steve Summers might fall on that, you know, genius line. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's one of the most uh, interesting individuals ever. You know, the, one of the, the, the greatest compliments I ever received was from him when we were doing a, a piece where I had him outside and he was on a cell phone about to jump off the Queensboro Bridge. Like he was really just out <laughs> on, like, 35th Avenue in Astoria. And, uh, you know, when we were collapsing in, in 2007, and uh, we came back and we did the piece. And, and uh, you know, he said, you know, you rejuvenated me. And, uh, and that was a great compliment. We really worked well together. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, he, he needs to be doing bits like that. I mean, that's who he is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love hearing him. And he, I think to be good in this business, to be honest with you, you have to be a little bit crazy. And uh, I've noticed that with everybody on the air, and I'm noticing that with myself now, too. Uh, you kind of have to be a little bit nuts to be successful in order to want to do this for a living. Yeah, speaking of crazy, what was, I guess, your initial reaction when WFAM mentioned that you wanted to go to Pittsburgh and that they said it would actually further your career? Well, I mean, what happened uh, initially was they – you know, I, I did one show, uh, you know, Mark Chernoff, I was, you know, arguing with Joe and Evan in the office one day before the show and uh, before the midday show about sports. And, uh, and Mark Chernoff said to me, uh, you know, I need to get you on the air. I've got to give you an overnight show. So he did. And after that one show, he liked what he heard. And he said, listen, we need to, you know, find a way to make you a talk show host now. And that was the, some of the greatest words I've ever heard. That's kind of what I was trying to achieve. And, um, you know, I, I just kept doing part-time fill-in stuff. And then CBS Radio started flipping all these stations to all sports talk. And there was one in Boston, the sports club. And, uh, and I was up for that, the 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift over there. That didn't work out. And then they told me they were flipping another station. Would I be interested in, in, in going there to kind of get on the air full-time and get my chops up and, and really try to, you know, start this process going, and, and they, then they told me it was Pittsburgh after I waited about a month to find out where it was, and I thought that was perfect because really more than anything, you need passion in a sports city, and you need fans being passionate about their teams, and you get that here. This is one of the most passionate cities when it comes to your sports teams as it is. So, I mean, of course it was, I mean, it was exciting and scary at the same time because it's, it's a major leap, you know, and few guys at WFAN have really done that. And Adam the Bullet was announced today. You know, he's doing the same thing I did. He's going out to Cleveland as CBS Radio has flipped the station, you know, out in Cleveland. He's going to do afternoon drive for them. But, uh, but there's been few guys who have, who have left the market to, uh, to get things going. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of that, that I was a trailblazer where I kind of took that step and, uh, and tried to, to get this thing going. 
Is there anyone that like still talks to you maybe uh, daily or weekly from WFA and the, the studio in New York? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I talked to uh, Eric Spitz, the, the PD, today, you know, a couple times just to check in. You know, I'm in touch with Mark Chernoff a lot as well. Um, you know, I, I talked, I could, you know, I talked to Evan and, and Ray, you know, I talked to Ray Martel uh, yesterday for, for a couple of minutes. So, you know, I'm in touch with those guys constantly, and that's, you know, that's kind of what that needs to happen. I never want to uh, forget about that. I don't want them to forget about me, you know, and, it, and that's the great thing about moving up, you know, within the company is is that you're always attached to those guys. You know, you many is not you don't get an opportunity to leave a particular job on good terms all the time. And that's what CBS is doing with all these great sports stations they have, you know, in Dallas and Detroit and Boston and Houston and Pittsburgh now in Cleveland. So uh right. you know, I was able to I was able to leave on good terms and I and I still keep in touch with all those guys as much as I can. Can you give our fans uh on pure gold like um some big differences that you see between the New York fan versus the Pittsburgh fan? You know, I think sports fans as a whole in these cities like New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, uh, those cities are very, very similar uh, where they're very passionate. It's a major part of their lives. You know, they love their teams. They hate their teams for making them feel the way they do sometimes with, with major losses. So there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, certainly there's the, the major difference is the fact that, you know, here there's, there's one pro team, you know, in, in, in each sport. I mean, you got one hockey team, you've got one baseball team, you've got one football team, you know, and, and in New York you've got, you know, a couple of baseball teams and a couple of football teams, so everybody's on the same page, uh, which is, which is kind of cool. And also, you know, everybody's involved with these teams. You know, in New York City and Manhattan, you know, you could walk around, you know, while a Jet or Giant game's going on on a Sunday, you know, and it's 60% of the people do not care, if not more. You know, the real hardcore fans are the ones that fly in suburbs, you know, in, in Jersey and Long Island and Westchester County. You know, here in Pittsburgh, it's, I mean, it's shut down. I mean, they, you know, the city shuts down when a Steeler game is going on. So that's kind of interesting to see. Would you say, Greg, that it's Steelers 1, Penguins 2? Yeah, you know, it is, and you know, it's funny that this Pirates run, and this is always something, now they've fallen apart now, having lost seven in a row, and they just lost again tonight to the Cubs, getting swept in a four-game series at home by that brutal baseball team in Chicago, but, you know, the uh, the, the, the ratings for the Pirates, while they were playing very well, they were doing Penguin playoff numbers. They're, they're both on the wow. same team in Root Sports, and they were doing 14 and 15 ratings in regular season games in July, which is what the Penguins do with their playoff numbers. So, yes, it's Steelers 1, Penguins 2, but if the, if the Pirates were ever to be consistently good, it would be Steelers 1, Pirates 2, and the TV numbers from this year have proven that. Well, it's amazing that the Pirates, you know, I remember hearing stories from my father, uh, you know, who grew up in the uh, earlier than that, but in the 70s, you know, you had guys like Roberto Clemente, you know, Willie Starzer when the Pirates were a dynasty, and to see how far they've fallen, to me, it's nice to see them actually do something good this year, and I was about, I was actually about to ask you about the whole uh, situation out there in terms of, of the Pirates. I mean, you know, they've had so many straight losing years, they must be starving for some uh, some good Pirate baseball, so hopefully they can get it together for the rest of the year, but, you know, can you tell us what your uh, what your radio show is like out there? I know you're, you're at 93.7 uh, FAN. So, uh, you know, what uh, what do you do on the air? I mean, is it like a Boomer and Carton style where they're talking craziness and nonsense and then they get into sports, or is it just more hardcore sports? 
Well, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. Now, I was hired to do evenings out here when I first got out here, uh, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., and then six months in, you know, they moved me to the morning show, and uh, and they wanted a little more entertainment. So, uh, so I've tried to add that. You know, we don't, we're not as far, you know, off the deep end with some of the entertainment stuff that Boomer and Carton do because, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's more of uh, a market in New York where you can do some more of that stuff. Uh, here in Pittsburgh, it's not that not to say the New York sports fan doesn't take their team seriously because they do just about as good as, as as anybody in the country. But but here it's almost to a degree where you know they they don't want too much nonsense or too much other stuff going on when they're when they're getting their sports. So you know, we try to deliver it in as entertaining of a way as we can. But when the stuff is you know when serious stuff is going on, you know we try to to deliver the news and the and the things we need to. Uh, in order to to convey the message to the fan who really wants to get their their hardcore sport, so it's it's in between. Uh, it's certainly in between, but uh, you know it's it's an entertaining show, but it's 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 not. You know we're we're not pulling out the bullhorn and uh, and doing some <laughs> of that. So, yeah. um, but it's it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, what's now? I'm not sure if you mentioned it or if I have missed it, but what's the name of the show called? Do you have a co-host or anything like that? Yeah, it's just it's actually called the Fan Morning Show. I mean that that that's all it's called. <laughs> and, you know, it's very. I didn't come up with it. You know, it's not the most creative name in the world. <laughs> but uh, but it, I you know I host the thing, and then uh, Paul Alexander, who's been in this market for a, a long time, who's also on Root Sports, which is the TV home of the Penguins and the Pirates. You know, he's uh, he's the co-host, and then we have an, an anchor, um, an update anchor, who's got an expanded role, uh, Jim Colony. And uh, he does a lot of reporting for us. Like he was out at Steelers training camp this whole week for us, and you know, uh, and, and he's part of the show. So it's it's the it's the three of us, and it's uh, you know it's a great mix. You know, it's 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 interesting because I'm the the new guy who's been here a year and a half, and uh, I've got two guys who have been here for a long, long time. So it's a it's a nice mix and different perspectives, and I think it works. Now, um, you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was commenting to uh, to Joe this, uh, you know, b- before, but you sound a lot like Mark Malusis, and it, it just amazes me because we had Mark on our show, and uh, you know, at the time, Mark was was hocking up along. I think he was sick or something, and he and he still decided to do our show. But it amazes me how much you sound like Moose. You know, I was about to call you Moose, so I had to uh, I had to correct myself there for uh, for a second. So I'm wondering if you and Moose maybe were uh, switched at birth or you know cousins or something. Well, you know, that's funny. That's actually the first time I've heard that. You know, we, um, on the air, I don't think we sound all that similar. You know, maybe on a, a cell phone connection or maybe our <laughs> our cadence are the same. But, um, you know, I, I think if you if you heard both of us, you know, hosting together or sitting next to one another in a studio, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that so much. That's the first time I've heard that. You know, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard more of like Sal Licata and I, I know you've had on as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I know you, I know you and Sal are, are good buddies, so um, you know maybe that's what it is. But it's just maybe it's your cell phone. But you you sound like him, and it amazes me. At first, I was thinking Sal. I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to that interview to see maybe if uh, you know I'm getting it mixed up. But you know, uh, Greg, can you tell us? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna assume here. You know, I know what, what people say when you assume, but you live out in Pittsburgh right now that you have the show out there. So what, what's that like? You know, it's 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 been good. I mean, it's been an adjustment. I mean, anytime you pick up your life and uh, you know you move away from your family and friends and you you start anew in a city that you're not used to and you know very little about. I mean, that's a challenge. Um, but you know, I've focused a lot of my energy on the show, and and everybody's been 
you know, pretty welcoming here, and I've developed a nice social life, and, you know, it's it's different. I mean, there's there, there's no question that, you know, there's things that, that I didn't necessarily think about when I moved out here. I just said, all right, here we go. This is going to be a huge step in my career. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to have my own show, you know, and this is going to be great. And you don't think about the other things. I mean, you don't think about, you know, being away from your family and, and being gone from, you know, what you've known for, for months and months at a time and your friends and, you know, not having all of that. But you get used to it, you know, and, and, and you move on and you develop your own situation out here while keeping in touch with everybody. So, you know, it's been it's been different. You know, it's been I was living in Manhattan for the, the three previous years uh, before moving out here. So, you know, that uh, that certainly was an adjustment when you go from Manhattan to Pittsburgh. But, you know, I was, didn't have a car in Manhattan because I didn't need one. So I got a car and I was driving around again. So there's a lot of different things. And it's uh, it's it's definitely an adjustment because there's many, many different uh, things that uh, you have in New York City that you don't have here in Pittsburgh and vice versa. I'm, I'm assuming that the nightlife uh, ends at around what, 11 p.m. Yeah, no, it's, it's 2 a.m. and they close down the bars <laughs> at 2 a.m. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I feel I that's one thing I've like aged like uh, four or five years out here, you know. And uh, even though I'm 29, man, you know, midnight to me, especially getting up as early as I do, is like you know 6 a.m. for most people. Right. Now, what would you say your ultimate goal professionally is? You know, I mean, I, I, it's, you know, it's a tough question. I mean, I've always, I've always wanted to to work at WFAN. I mean, that's been the goal. You know, I got an opportunity to to work there as a as a producer, and I've, you know, I was able to host some part time shows there. And and then the goal is to 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 work for that, you know, my hometown radio station. And that's the dream. But that's not to say that I would be unhappy with having a great career, you know, somewhere else. Uh, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. But I don't want to think or, or tell myself if I fall short of that, that my career has been a failure because that would be doing myself a disservice. I mean, I've got a, a morning show out here that's that, that's doing very well in, in a city that I love living in, and it's and it's great. So, I mean, you know, and there's, there are the people that would kill to be in the position I'm in now at 29 years old and been only doing this full-time for a year and a half. But, you know, I, I mean, to, to say that WFAN isn't the ultimate goal, I you know, I, I, I'd absolutely be lying because it is, and I can – I can break a little news for you here on uh, on Pure Gold. I will actually be hosting uh, part time at WFAN later this month. Uh, three wow. filling shows, uh, wow. August nineteenth, twentieth, and uh, and twenty first. Friday night, Saturday, and uh, and Sunday. It'll be the first time that I'm hosting shows there and been on the air since uh, December of uh, two thousand and ten. So I'm very excited to get back over there and do some part time stuff. Wow, that's some uh, that's some good stuff there, uh, Greg. And uh, are you going to be talking Pittsburgh sports when you come over here? <laughs> oh no, no. I mean, come on. No, it's going to be all all New York sports. You know, I'm uh, of course have uh, paid uh, just as much attention as as I used to to what's going on in New York, and maybe a little bit less because I'm focusing so much on uh, what I have to do here. But uh, but no, it'll be a regular New York sports talk show. I would never go there and you know try to do a monologue. <laughs> you know, pitch football. Do you do you find it difficult to? Uh, I mean, I know you told me off the air that uh, you rooted for those teams, and now you've gotten into the whole, uh, you know, trying to be more objective. But you find it difficult trying to do so much research on on Pittsburgh teams that maybe you may not have been familiar with before you went out there. Yeah, it was a challenge, you know. But I, you know, I tried to 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 turn it from a weakness into a strength because you know sometimes when people are in a market for a long time, which a lot of the the, the personalities here were, I mean, they could get a little bit lazy with things. So. 
you know, I was making sure that I was very meticulous with my uh, preparation and made sure I had everything I needed to know. And, I, you know, I basically I moved here two weeks before our launch, and I just basically locked myself in my apartment and watched and read everything I could have possibly, you know, consumed. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was a challenge, but, uh, you know, the, there's proud moments when people say, hey, you know, you, you knew that about, you know, our teams, and, you know, that's cool. And the fact that you learned and showed us that you cared enough about our teams means a lot to us. And uh, I knew I owed it to the people uh, here in Pittsburgh if I was going to be talking about their teams, a team that they've been rooting for all their lives, and I'd only been here a little bit. You know, I needed to know everything possible. So, yeah, it was hard, but, I mean, the, the fruits of that labor are definitely being shown, uh, having been promoted and then just people, you know, mentioning how, how uh, they just enjoy that, that I was able to get up to speed with the, some of the stuff that they've been dealing with since, since day one out here. Right. Now, we talked to Sal Licata on Tuesday, Greg, and uh, we asked him the same question. We asked him, like, what advice would you give for anybody aspiring to, you know, go into the radio business like yourself? And, he, you know, he mentioned things like you got to have no life, you got to uh, work constantly at it, you got you got to be willing to move what you did. Um, is there any other advice that you would give or you'd probably agree with Sal? Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's a little bit of a negative way to look at it, as you're going to have no life. <laughs> I was able to enjoy myself and still am able to enjoy myself now. Uh, you know, what you have to do uh, is you kind of have to put certain things on hold for a little bit, if that makes sense. You know, not to say that you have no life. I mean, I what I think separates the, the people who are successful in this business and the ones who are not, you know, are the ones who kind of suck it up in the early part of their careers and do whatever it takes in order to you know, get uh, farther ahead and, and to make sure that you get noticed. I mean, you know, I took every shift that was offered to me as a part-timer. You know, when Eddie Scazzeri would call me and say, you know, we need you here, we need you there, you know, I'd make sure I did it, and I never turned them down. And while I was there, I made sure the best I did the absolute best job I could. You know, I remember having – I had to do, uh, you know, weekend overnights for like three or four months, you know, in a row where it was Friday into Saturday morning and Saturday into Sunday morning, you know, to midnight to, to 6 a.m., you know, producing right. for the Tony Page. You know, and when you're, you know, 23 years old, that sucks, you know, because all your friends are out. <laughs> you got yeah. to go in and scream short hours phone call at the 3 in the morning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't necessarily want to be doing that, but you do that. You do a good job, and uh, and, and you work your way up. And you know, in a, in a matter of a couple of years, you know, I, I got to I got to where I needed to be. So you know, you, you have to work hard. You have to read as much as possible. You have to separate yourself. You have to find a way to separate yourself from the pack. And uh, the way you do that in, in the early goings is to to, to work your ass off. And to uh, and to make sure that you don't rough any feathers, you stay quiet, and you do everything that's possibly asked of you with a smile on your face. Like screening short owl phone calls at three in the morning, or maybe Dominic from Hicksville at two. Uh, you know, Greg, we really appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you again giving us some time, and uh, we, we definitely enjoyed it. We'd, we'd love to have you back on again at some point. You know, uh, so the offer is always open. So you know, Greg, uh, again, thank you from Joe and myself, and, of course, for breaking that uh, pure gold exclusive on the air with us about you going back to WFN for a couple of days in about three weeks. Yeah, absolutely, guys. It was my pleasure. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, give me a call anytime. I'd love to do it again. All right, Greg. Thank you very much, sir. Have a good one. Thanks, Greg. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, that was the one and only Greg Goodgolly Giannotti, or was that really 
Mark Malusis, or possibly was that Sal Licata playing a joke on us? We may never know. But uh, that was some good stuff there by Greg, sir. Uh, you know, I like getting the perspectives of, of people, especially somebody like Greg who, you know, he worked his way up from the, you know, the, the slums, from the newsroom, basically, and, you know, going to be able to, to get on the air. And then, of course, CBS sending him out there to Pittsburgh, just like they did with Bull. I, yeah, you and I haven't really spoken today because of some, you know, crazy things going on. But, uh, yeah, Adam the Bull is no longer going to be on WFN. He's going out there to another FAN station in Cleveland. So that that should be interesting for him. I know Dominic is going to be crushed. Uh, I haven't seen any tweets from him, so he's probably in mourning right now, sir. Yep, that was a great interview, sir. That was uh, what I say. What I was going to say uh, a lot of a lot of Giannotti or a lot of Giannotti. <laughs> whatever, I, I blew that yeah. one. Right. People out of here, Giannotti. Yeah, whatever. All right, folks. Uh, you know, moving on from that, moving on from some Pittsburgh Steelers talk, we're going to go into the Man of Steel with the one and only Superboy himself, Hans. How are you doing, <laughs> sir? I'm good, sir. That's How's good. it going for you guys? Pretty good. You got to love that little uh, intro, uh, I have to say. Of course. It's all downhill <laughs> from here. Are, are you <laughs> all right? Are you on something? Are you, are you in that Harry Potter? Because you sound like uh, like you're out of your mind, sir. Who's dying? Yeah. You guys not know how to hold the phone? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Hans, uh, now, now that we've managed to butcher what was a great uh, interview, uh, you know we've managed to ruin the rest of the show. Give us your uh, give us your news. Uh, what's going on in the world of uh, <clears throat> Superman? Well, they they just released um, a new photo, or actually the only photo of uh, the new man in, Man of Steel, Henry Cavill. I personally, I love the costume. I love the Superman suit how the cape is really long, the big um, S on the chest. But I got to say, I'm not digging the face or his wig piece. It's not <laughs> Superman-esque for me. Yeah, so uh, he, did, he does not look like Brandon Routh or uh, possibly uh, Mr. Christopher Reeve. Or Tom Welling. Oh, of course, of course. We can't forget Tom Welling. Um, yeah, I saw the picture. Joe, did you, uh, did you happen to see that online today? I did not catch it. I was uh, kind of busy at work today, uh, but uh, I will catch it. The one thing I must say is that why is Chris Nolan, like, obsessed, or maybe he's allowing, like, pictures of, like, his movies coming out, like, when there's, like, a year to go still. Like, you know, they they released a picture of the new Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises. Now there's a picture of the Superman uh, Man of Steel movie. Do you think that's a good move or a bad move in terms of uh, selling the movie? Are you who? Who do you want to answer first? <laughs> who do I want to answer? First? How about you answer it there before we hang up on you? I mean, you're the expert, Hans. It, you're the expert. It could go either way. It could either help or or kill a movie. Um, they release every so often. They release the characters. They release pictures. And like you said, it Superman isn't coming out till 2013. Why are they giving us a picture of it two years in advance? And even Batman's not coming out till next summer. Why do we need a picture now? I mean, yeah, it gets everybody amped up and can't wait to see the movie, but at the same time, I saw the picture. I didn't like it, so <laughs> there yeah. you go. I don't know. You know, um, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to have to say that, uh, 
I think it's a good move. I think you got to wet the fans' whistle. In a case like this, all right, maybe you don't like the, the picture, but maybe other people do. Maybe they're interested. Maybe it makes them want to watch it, or maybe they make them want to take a big old dump on that movie and go watch it. Maybe Harry I Potter don't care what other time. people think. You're well, asking that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Your, your attitude stinks, and you know what? I think it's time that we just we, we end this business relationship because it's just not working for pure gold. But the fact is that, you know, there's people out there like Joe who are going to go watch Harry Potter four or five more times instead of watching The Man of Steel. And, you know, it is what it is. But there's some other news that uh, that I wanted you to get into that has me in a bit of an uproar. And, and what would that be, sir? What else uh, dropped on us like a well, little deuce this, this past week? The, the new cat, uh, they, they picked somebody for the part of uh, Perry White, and it's none other than Lawrence Fishburne. Go to hell! I'm sorry. Wait, could you, who is it? Who did you say? Lawrence Fishburne. Go to hell! Go to hell! Go to hell! You know what? That is what I think of that move. First of all, now it's no longer Perry White. It's Perry Black. First of all, and second oh, of all, boy. you know what? You know what bugs me? You know what pisses me off? And I'm Hispanic, so I can say this. And this is not by any means a racial comment because you know factually. Lawrence Fishburne is a very good actor. Other than that, that fat, sloppy mess that he was in uh, Predators, you know, 15, that, that last movie that came out, he's, he's been a great actor. You know, I, I enjoy him in pretty much anything that he does, but I don't understand the need to change the, the um, skin color, to change the ethnicity of characters just for the sake of being PG. I'm sorry, PC, not, not PG, because that is not PG. It, it bugs me. And, yeah, people may say I'm a hypocrite because I rag and I, I rave about Pete Ross, and Pete Ross was an African-American character on Smallville. The only reason that I liked Pete, I mean, you know, again, Sam Jones is a convicted felon, basically. But yeah. I liked it because of not so much the actor but the character and what he meant to Clark. It could have been any other character. It could have been the guy who played Whitney, and I would have liked him just the same. But the thing about Perry White that bugs me is that why do they have to make him black? What is the point of that? It's the same thing now, and I told you guys this, this off the air, but apparently they killed off Peter Parker in Ultimate Spider-Man, which makes me want to vomit, first of all. And they're going to replace him with a half-black, half-Puerto Rican Spider-Man. Why? I don't understand the need to destroy characters, destroy continuity, and then try to make it a politically correct thing and try to make it more diverse and forcing the characters to be diverse instead of just creating new, you know, African-American or Hispanic characters. Uh, Hans, any thoughts on that? Thank God. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Paul. I, by no means, am a racist. So I'm okay with them Wait, did you taking just say whoever you are, they want. Are by all the means only racist. thing that bugs me is the old hag that they picked for Lois Lane. That is my <laughs> only problem. You make a dog sick! Ha. I you can't mean, believe that what, they picked person? someone almost 40 years older than the Man of Steel. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about they picked Betty White to play? Uh, am I missing something here? You're talking about Amy Adams, right? Isn't she close to 40? Yeah. yeah. And the Man of Steel in this movie is only like 28 years old. I mean, yep. I know it's a movie, but come on. Let's not stretch the imagination here. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, Amy Adams is a good actress, but she's 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 not too. Uh, she's no Lois Lane. She's not a hot box rock. Let's put it that way. If I could steal a line from Joe, you know, but she. I don't think she was a good choice. Yeah, she may be a good actress, but you know what? And and I was convinced. 
Rachel McAdams is a good actress, and I, I wasn't too keen on her being Lois Lane until I saw the movie uh, Morning Glory, where she basically played Lois Lane running a, uh, uh, running a morning show studio or whatever. And that, to me, was like, you know what? She would make a good Lois Lane. So I know you've mentioned that in the past. There's so many different actresses they could have played. And if they were going to pick somebody almost 40, there's a whole slew of actresses they could have picked. You know, they could have picked a girl from uh, Fairly Legal. I've they said could have picked Diane times. Lane to be Lois Lane, <laughs> if that was the case. And she has the same last name, so it's perfect. They could have picked her. They could have picked Annette O'Toole, you know, to reprise her role. They could have picked Margot Kidder. I mean, they could have picked uh, Lawrence Fishburne, as a matter of fact, could have been Lois Lane, you know, just to make it diverse, make it different, you know, let's make it, let's change it up, but let's throw a curveball in there. And as a first of all, you know what, why don't you just shut up? Because it has nothing to do with being racist. I am not racist, and it's nothing at all to do with the man's ability to act. I'm going to go back to that because it makes me mad. It just bugs me, the idea of being politically correct for the sake of being politically correct. That's what bothers me. And you talk about old hags. First of all, you're insulting, you know, your, your, your all the women in your family, and you're insulting all the women out there who are over 30 practically by insulting Amy Adams, who's not even 40, sir. Let, let, let's just get that out off the bat. You're you're an ageist. How about that? <laughs> what do you think about that, sweet Charlie? I don't even know what to think about that. You're going yeah. on a rant because I, I said right, she's well, an old hag. You're well, the one that's mad at Lawrence Fishburne. For getting a white role, what is wrong is, with you? And uh, half black, half way. Puerto Rican Spider-Man. Who gets upset at these things? Peter Nobody Parker. but a racist, sir. That's who gets mad at that stuff. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Anybody else, by any other definition, is it doesn't make any sense. You know, to me, I equate making Perry White a, a middle-aged black man. It would be the same thing as if they made Perry White a woman. You know, Perina White. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Now, I, what's funny is I think you mentioned this to me. And for those of you out there, of course, you know, we're we're embellishing a bit. Please, you know, this may be the last episode of Pure Cold <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're embellishing this a little bit. It's just as a fan, it, it just bugs me as a fan when they, when they miscast people in certain roles. But, you know, we, we talked about this, Hans, and I don't know if Joe ever chimed in on this, but... Uh, we were saying that why <laughs> why is a British uh, actor being Superman, right? And I forget who said it to me, but somebody said somebody got up and started cursing in like a, a forum at a Comic Con or something, saying, "What does it matter if he's British? First of all, Superman is not American; he's an alien." <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, I just thought I'd, I just thought I'd throw that in there for some for some yucks, but. Uh, so, all right, we have Perry White, or whatever his name is going to be. Uh, he's going to be in this, uh, you know, the new Superman movie. Um, any other cast changes? I mean, is uh, are they are they? Well, are they we have, like, like I said, Amy Adams is Lois Lane. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is Perry White. Michael <clears throat> Shannon is going to be Zod. I don't know how to pronounce this chick's name, but she's going to be Faora, who's Zod's right hand man, or in this case, woman. Harry Lennox as a, as a military guy, General Swansick. Christopher Maloney is going to be playing Colonel Hardy. Julia Armand is Superman's mother, Laura Lorvan. Russell Crowe is going to be Superman's father, Jor-El. And Diane Lane and Kevin Costner will be playing Martha and Jonathan Kent. Now, is there any any truth to the rumors that um, they're going to get a midget to play Pete Ross? 
I believe so. Yeah. Let's hope. I think it's very true. A Hispanic. Oh, of course, at that. of course. Let, let, let's hope that. Now, Hans, uh, before Joe, uh, you know, checks out for the evening, uh, any other uh, any other news out there in the the world of uh, motion pictures and television adventures? I know we're going to be seeing uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes or the Joe Buccino life story this Saturday at the Dining Theater. So, uh, you're you're expecting a good time there, sir? I'm hoping it looks really good. Uh, I'm not too fond of uh, what's his name, uh, James, James Franco. Franco. He sucks. He, he's an all right actor. Sucks. He's kind of Jim to me, but I mean, he's, awful. he's almost as bad as you he, are in these segments, an awkward and just terrible actor. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I got acting then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I gotta admit. DJ, I gotta admit though, I wouldn't be caught dead going anywhere in a public place with you after those views of what you just mentioned about. So I just want to, I just want to throw it out there that the views of uh, DG are DGs and not JBs. Hey Hans, let me ask you this question. I was thinking about the the whole Batman reboot. You know how they're rebooting it so fast. Yes. And I'll ask you first because I, I don't know what DG's gonna say, but I was thinking about the next Batman. I was thinking about somebody like. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. What do you feel about him being the next Batman? Go to hell! <laughs> My sentiments exactly. I, I don't even know what made you think that would be a good he's idea. He's trying to turn this into a racial thing. He told me this the other day when I when I went off on the whole Perry White thing, and he's like, yeah, they should make Batman black. You know, he's just trying to go in the complete opposite direction and totally, you know, uh, stick in with the, with, with the whack jobs on the other side of the fence. You, sir, if, Joe, are full of it. And that is why I disassociated myself from you on Twitter after your I don't speak English, I speak American comments. So you, sir, can shove it. All right, you racist bastards. Calm down here. Let me talk for a second. <laughs> All I was saying is that if you have The Rock be the new Batman, you can't have the comparison with Christian Bale versus any other Batman because then that's all that's going to happen is that there's going to be comparisons. At least you could go a different route and make, you know, Batman, a uh, different race. And, and what's his, what's his name going to be? Uh, Bruce Wayno? I mean, I mean, why no? What, what are we talking here? They're going to change his name. <laughs> is it going to be a uh, you know Farouk is going to be his name? Is are we talking Ron Simmons? I mean, seriously, Joe, you, you you want him to be a different? Now talk about racial issues. You want him to be a different race just so that it can't compare him to Christian Bale? That doesn't even make sense. That's worse than making it, you know, for the sake of being PC. That's just you for the sake of being a, a complete putt. How about that? I don't see what's wrong with Lawrence Fisher Byrne being African-American. I really don't. Wait, he doesn't wait, play a big time role. Out, time out, time out. <laughs> Shut up. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Lawrence Fisher being African-American because that's what he is. And that wasn't my point, you fool. My point was they took a role that was written and intended for somebody who is Caucasian they're making him black. Why are they making him black? That's my question. My question is, is it, is it to be politically correct? Is it because there isn't a single other black actor in the show or in the movie? Or, or do they really think Lawrence Fishburne is the best actor for the part? That's what I want to know, sir. What do you think about if they that? Can make, if they can make Pete Ross African-American when he wasn't in the comic books, then they can make Perry White Af, you know, an African-American. Or a woman or Hispanic. This conversation's over. Hans, you should hang up now before I go off. <laughs> Hans, are you still well, there? Yeah. I'm hearing He's got you guys' rant. Oh, uh, before I do go. <laughs> before you do go. I, I want to say that uh, they revealed 
who's going to be the new boss on The Office. I don't know if you guys have heard, but yeah, it seems Smith. like they cast James Spader. Yeah, Will Smith is going to be the new boss on The Office. <laughs> well, actually, I read that uh, James Spader is not going to be the, the branch manager, but apparently since uh, Kathy Bates has her own show now, uh, Harry's Law, I'm not even sure if that show's canceled. Or it'll be canceled by the time the show's over. But um, apparently uh, he's going to be the new CEO of the company, so I'm not sure what he's even going to do on the show. If he's just going to appear more often, it still leaves them without a branch manager. Maybe Lawrence Fishburne. Now that he left uh, CSI, maybe he can go over there. It should be Charlie Sheen because he doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> well, actually, I think he's going to be at uh, – what is it? <laughs> I got show making I got Joe making comments over here, uh, you know, secretly, folks. Um, uh, you got to love it. All I can say, Joe, is go to hell! Right there. Um, I I read that, uh, you know, I don't even know what I was saying. Joe completely threw me off. What the hell were we talking about? I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> I think about. you were talking about The Office and James Spader. Oh, yeah, so James Spader, right? And, I'm, and it leaves them without a branch manager, so I'm not sure what they're going to do. Maybe Lawrence Fishburne's going to make the transition from Perry White to Pete Ross over to The Office and be the new uh, Michael Scott. And that'll be his name, Michael Scott, because he'll be replacing Steve Carell in the role. Right. <laughs> Hans, uh, as always, a pleasure. Hours, of course, this time after this wonderful news that you've given us. So uh, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again in the future to uh, give us some more wonderful news, you know, maybe the next Harry Potter installment or what Daniel Radcliffe is up to. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> have a good one, sir. You too. Later. That wasn't completely horribly awkward. Uh, Joe, as we close out the show, of will the extra going 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, I got to love it. We need to get into this IWF thing, and uh, you got any thoughts, sir? You, you know, we have a puregoldpg.com. You can check out our website where that tool, and for some reason I keep thinking Travis Blake, but it's not Travis Blake. It's Jared Foster, Dim Lights himself, is a uh, kind of video, right? A little, little promo against us. And, Joe, did you get a chance to check out that little rip job he did on us? Yeah, I checked it out. I was not impressed. <laughs> Now, do you think he's doing this for attention? I mean, is he trying to be a heat magnet? I don't, what's the point of Jarrett Foster, you know, who's not even in our league, by the way. We're in the majors. This guy's over in independent leagues, uh, no offense. And, uh, you know, we're up in the big time. Can you tell me what uh, what his possible reasoning could be? I mean, you think he wants to come on our show and get a little hype and get some of the rub off the off of pure gold, the shine that we've got going, sir? Well, I mean, to sum it up, you're probably right. This is the number one highly rated internet show in the business, and he wants to get on the show, cut some promos, you know, draw some heat, make sure that he's known. He wants to get a title shot. He wants to get Kevin Knight's attention. So he wants to get our attention, too. So, you know, if all he has to do is actually call in DG, that's all he really needs to do. And he still yet he hides behind a, a, a camera, cuts a promo, and just doesn't want to talk to us live and on the air. Yeah, not only that, but he hides behind his little Twitter you know, and speak, we were talking about the IWF events earlier from the Summer Sizzler. That's probably what uh, what old Bright Lights is up to right now. He's over at Sizzler stuffing his face at the buffet. Uh, I'm going to go down. I'm going to run these down with you real quick, sir. Uh, the first match was uh, the master, Frank Stellari, who looks a lot like another, uh, you know, former IWF guy, but I'll get into that another day. He defeated Jersey Jewel, Stephen Sterling. We had Scrap Iron, Joey Golden, defeated Casey Koresh. Uh, we had the IWF. <clears throat> We had the IWF Tag Team Champions, Aaron Stride, and some other 
Hot, I forget his name, something Jeff Jarrett, I'm not sure, defeated world-class Carson Slade and Livewire Dante Arcade to retain the tag team titles. You had all-star Austin Williams, who has a great entrance song, by the way. It's Hunger from the Transformers cartoon movie. Throw that out there. All-star Austin Williams defeated absolutely Edwin with a yours, yours terribly, Larry Lawson. Uh, the guest referee there was Jana. And, of course, uh, we had self-made Travis Blake defeated the high-definition Chris Steeler. Apparently, he, uh, he cheated or, or something because I was looking at some of the uh, the videos for the next event coming up with the with the IWF, sir. Um, and uh, after that, we had the German menace or the German monkey, Craig Stagg with, again, Larry Lawson. He defeated the IWF American champion, the real deal like a Vander Holyfield, Flex Freeman, who had Kevin Knight in his corner to retain the title. Um, uh, the next event actually is the IWF Desperate Measures, which will be August 13th uh, next weekend. So that should be some good stuff there. Hopefully Flex will get a title shot back to get the American championship back. But that, to me, sir, I know that uh, I know that Aaron Stride got involved there. I know that uh, your boy, the one and only uh, Bright Lights, Dim Lights, whatever his name is, I, I forget, he got involved and cost Flex the title. So, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on that, sir. Yeah, I, I, I again, I don't understand it, but that's, I guess that's the business that we're in. Uh, we get some strange outcomes in these events. Um, I, I don't know how other explain it, other than I think it's time that we showed up PG style on August thirteenth. Desperate measures. I agree, sir. I think we're gonna have to take it all the way downtown to Chinatown, and anytime bright lights, anytime you want to come on this show, anytime you want a piece of us, anytime. You want a piece of DG, you know where to find me. You know where we're at. We're here on this show, Tuesdays and Thursdays, ready, willing, and able to lay the verbal smackdown on you. And if need be, the physical smackdown. Remember, we got the real deal in our corner, so we'll be fine. Joe, let's put a wrap on this show. Like, we're about to put a wrap on Jared Foster's career. Well, another good week of PG, sir. We had Neil Best on Tuesday, and let me say it was one of the better or one of the best interviews we've ever had. I think we we went outside the box like we we sometimes do, but we really got some great information from Neil. Had a good conversation with him. He explained the sports business a lot more that we usually talk about. And then tonight we had you know Greg Giannotti from Pittsburgh and uh, WFAM member that hopes to make it back here and make it big in New York, working with WFAN, you know, in the. Uh, the biggest city in the world. So it was definitely a, a good PG week, sir. Of course, sir, of course. And, uh, you know, let, let's uh, let's wish the best to Greg Giannotti in his, in his uh, you know, future endeavors. Let's wish the best to uh, Adam the Bull as he goes out to Cleveland. I know, again, Dominic from Hicksville, Hicksville is crushed. Uh, <laughs> Dominic, yep. I, I think he's going to MIA. I'm not really sure. Probably watching Captain America a couple more times um, just to drown his sorrows. But, uh, you know, Dom, you can always call the show. We're here for you, buddy, anytime you need it. Folks, we thank you, as always, for listening to the show, for checking us out. You can check out our Twitter. You can check out our Facebook. You can check out my Twitter, of course, uh, You know, for some more offensive comments. You can check out our old YouTube video. And like you said, Joe, we're, we're, we definitely need to get some new videos up there. And, uh, you know, maybe a little, a little face-to-face or camera-to-camera with, uh, with uh, Jared Foster. But aside from that, we'd like to thank Greg Giannotti for coming on the show. He's a great guest. Uh, thank Hans, as always, for giving us... Uh, you know, the best that uh, that he can, you know, whatever that may be. And uh, thank Kelly, our board op, the lovely Kelly, for uh, always being there for us when we need her. Check us out on Tuesday, 10 o'clock. Make sure you're here. 
or we hope to have a special guest with us, and uh, hopefully, you know, that'll be Mr. Don McGregor, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where that goes. I think Don's been a little MIA. But, of course, for JB, this is DG of PG reminding you to always keep it pure gold, just like us.